Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. I want to talk this morning. Um, I believe God's going to touch many of you. As a pastor of 36 years, I, you know, I don't preach negative messages. I always believe there is victory in every trial. But I also know that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And there are many people sitting here this morning hurting. People that have gone through some things and issues. And over the years, I've watched people when things happen, how over a process of time, rather than allowing God to heal them, they become cynical, angry, because there are so many unanswered questions. Now, I'm a faith teacher, but I want to tell you, you need faith because there are times that you don't have the answer. And there are times we are never going to find the answers. And I'll tell you, like I said last week, when I get to heaven one day, I have a lot of questions. Amen. But it doesn't mean that those questions will disillusion me and steal my worship from God. From coming again and again. No matter where I find myself. Recently, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and uh, about a move that is going to come in the area of worship. It's in that place of worship where God is going to heal broken hearts and set captives free and where God will give you peace when it makes no sense, when God will answer a question without an answer, where God will just settle your heart. It's not going to happen anywhere else but in His presence, in His house. So I want to talk this morning about the subject to worship when you hurt or to worship when you are wounded. Because if you live long enough, you know, that's a gezegde that says that it goes so good with you, so good with you, so with your slechtste kant. Or with your hand, no, not with your hand. So I'm not talking about you not having a great life, and, uh, but I've been around long enough to see there's no perfect life. I mean, people cover up and they put a smile on their face and it's always like, you know, I say, how are you? I'm good. No, how about telling somebody you can trust, I'm hurting? How about telling somebody, I'm fe- I feel like quitting? How about telling somebody, I feel depressed? That's not negative, because you need somebody to pray with you and to walk with you. I think we confuse faith sometimes with denial. We are not called to be in denial. We are children of God. You know, when my kids, and I have three beautiful kids now, six children, my daughters always correct me. I say, I've got six children and three children. They say, no, you've got six children. I say, no, 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 no. the other three are not actually my re- real children. They stole my children. Ah, Okay, I've got six children for the in-laws that are sitting here as well. But I've got six uh, grandchildren as well, uh, my favorites. Uh, I used to say that um, nobody will be more favorites than my children, but unfortunately now the grandkids have surpassed them, okay? But, um, you know, when a little child bumps his toe, he runs to his mother. My kids, when they had a nightmare, they came and told me. 
when they felt disappointed, they spoke to me. When they had a need, they came and spoke to me. I think we've become so stereotyped in our relationship with God that we think when we come to God, our words have to be perfect. And I want to talk about that subject today, that this is a relationship that you have with your Father, that sometimes you can come in a confused state and God's okay with that. Sometimes you can come and just sit in church and you can weep and God's okay with that. Sometimes you can sit in church and you can wrestle because you don't know what to do and God's okay with that. Sometimes you can sit while everybody else is celebrating and shouting. You are sitting silently, somberly in your chair and God's okay with that. Sometimes you have questions raging in your mind. I wanna tell you that God's okay with that. He loves you, He understands you and He's there to help you and to lift you. But I wanna start by asking you this morning, you be the one to bring yourself back into the house of God again and again and again and again. You may be the mother that is weeping all week for your child. You are weeping for about a grandchild. You are weeping because of a loss, a tragedy, I don't know. But I want to encourage you to be the one that always worships God. We spoke about those that are blessed and successful last week. That you do not forget the Lord your God. When God blesses you, when God enlarges you, God increases you. That you remember Him and you return to worship. But for those of you that are wounded this morning, you are in the best place. You are in a place where God will heal your broken heart. Where God is going to love you. Where God is going to give you beautiful ashes. Where God is going to restore your joy and your peace where God is going to lift you up. So I don't know what your worship looks like this morning, but just give Him a bit of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, there's been times in my life that I sat in church, everybody jumped up and I didn't feel like jumping up, but I jumped up because everybody else was jumping up. It's not the jumping up that moves God. It is the heart. And I'm going to talk about that tonight. To be, live a life attracted to the presence of Jesus. So I want to talk about two people this morning, Job and David. Both of them who found themselves on the ground. Knocked down by the devil, knocked down by choices, knocked down by life. Let me just say, as I start with Job, that the Bible says he was a blameless man. Sometimes things happen to people and... They say, but what did I do to deserve this? Nothing. What door did I open? No door. What did my ancestors do? I don't know. But I can tell you what Jesus did for you. So Job is a blameless man. And the calamity that he faces doesn't come from God. So if you don't read Job chapter 1 and see Satan goes from the presence of God and causes havoc. In the life of Job, you will get confused with some of the statements in the Bible. Remember, not everything recorded in Scripture is the Word of God. Right? So when, when, when God speaks, it's His Word. A lot of things people say that's not the Word in the Bible, but it's recorded. So we don't say the same things. Are you okay with that? So Job chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided them and took them away. And indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. 
And I alone have escaped to tell you bad news. How many of you like bad news? Not one of us. And while he was still speaking, another also came. You talk about somebody who had a bad day. This is it. And the fire of God, his perception, fell from heaven, burned up the sheep and the servants, consumed them, and I alone. It's always somebody that escapes everything, okay? Um, And I pray to God you are that one. Have escaped to tell you while the third report in one day, in a few hours, while he was still speaking, the accountant came and said that Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, stole your business, killed your servants with the edge of the sword and I alone escaped to tell you while he was still speaking. Ach nee man, dis nou genoeg, slechte nies vir een dag. Ek gaan nou a way to, ek gaan nou my cellphone afset. Genoeg slechte nies vir a dag. Man nie Job nie. Hy is nog bezig. Hy hoor een slechte ding na die volgende ding. And also another came and he said, now it's bad. Now it's his family. It's his sons, his daughters. They were drinking and eating wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came and arose uh, uh, across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they were in dead. And I alone escaped to tell you. So he loses his business. He loses his company. He loses all his children, he's a blameless man. He's a man who fears God, he loves God. There's no answer. It is something that happened to Job. And the Bible says, Job arose. He tore his robe, he mourned. He shaved his head, he made a vow. And the vow was, he fell to the ground and he worshiped. What happened to him, could not even knock him to the ground. Bad report after bad report. When he shaved his head throughout the Bible, that means you make a vow to God that you say, no matter what God, I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna forsake you. I believe you are a good God. You are a merciful God. No matter what life throws my way, I make a vow that I will worship you. I make a vow that I will raise my children in the ways of God. Can you say amen this morning in Jesus' name? And he fell to the ground and he worshiped and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. And we know the story of Job, how his friends come to try and advise him. And sometimes I watched with my brother when he fought cancer and uh, so many other people, how well-meaning religious people come along with texts and prophetic words to steal your faith. When you face a crisis, don't listen to anybody because Job's three friends, the three blind mice, for many, many chapters told him why he went through what he went through. But there was no answer until Job turned to God and worshiped God. And remember in Job's life as well, when he goes through everything and the fifth thing that happens to him, he loses his health. He has a bad report from the doctor. He has boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. So bad that he takes a piece of pot and he scratches himself. He bleeds, he throws ashes upon himself and his wife lost her faith, which is something that happens. Sometimes we go through things and the people around us lose their faith. 
and she stands with her arms folded. That's how I envisage her. And she looks at her husband and she says, why do you hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? And Job says, though He smite me, yet will I trust Him. I don't know what you've been through, but you better make up your mind today to be somebody that will worship God when you are wounded. No matter what knocks you to the ground, you better make up your mind that you will be somebody that will make the worship of Jesus the center of your life because that is the place you are going to find your peace and your healing and your restoration. That's what happens to Job. This is not the end of his story. We know the Bible says in Job 42 that the Lord restored double for all the trouble he went through. But he had to go through the process of mourning. He had to go through the process of questioning and there will be questions. Sometimes people go through a tragedy and well-meaning Christians just stand there and say, it's okay, everything's gonna be okay. I know everything is gonna be okay, but there's a time to weep and there's a time to mourn and there's a time to say, God, why has this happened to me? It's okay, God's okay with that. I love David because when you read the book of Psalms, it's not just Psalms of praise and worship. There are over 60 Psalms of lamentations where David, this warrior and worshiper, has this conversation with God where you almost think like, hey David, are you backslidden? And you will see a common thread where David says, God, where are you? God, why has this happened to me? God, when are you coming through for me? He's not in a place of disillusion, but he's in a place of conversing with God. He's broken, he's shattered, he's on the ground. But watch every psalm that he turns. There's a change in tone where he says, yet will I trust Him, yet will I praise Him, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. It's like the one moment he goes through this emotions that we all are accustomed to, but we do not want to admit. But then he doesn't end there because that will leave you in a pit. That will leave you in a place of sorrow and depression. That will leave you in a place of hopelessness. And then he talks to his soul and he says, hope in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Oh my soul, you better praise God. You need to hope in God, in the living God. So he's on the ground and he worships God. He looks up and he worships David. I mean, a very interesting character, man after the heart of God, who does two terrible things. He murders his covenant brother Uriah to take his wife. That's a big deal. And his child is about to die. And David doesn't run away from God, because that's what people do when they mess up, they run away from God. There's no place where you will recover outside of the presence of God. That's why I always tell people the church is a hospital. It's not a place for perfect people. It's a place where you come and encounter the perfect love of God, whether you are whole or broken, whether you are perfect or imperfect. The church is a place where you can come boldly to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Say a good amen in Jesus' name. So David therefore pleads to God with God for his child and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. He chose when he was at his lowest not to allow life to knock him to the ground. And Ziklag 
when he lost everything and all the people turned against him. What did David do? He fell to the ground. When everybody else was quitting, he fell to the ground and he worshipped God. And I mean, the Bible says they wept, they had no strength left. But there's one thing that I love about David, in the good times, the bad times, in the up times, the down times, when he was king, when he was a shepherd boy, there's one thing about David, he loved the presence of God. He worshiped God. When he failed, he came into the presence of God. When he won a battle, he returned and worshiped God. Come on CRC, we will always worship Him at the center of our Christianity, no matter what, because He's worthy. Say Amen in Jesus' Name. So the elders of their house arose and went to him to raise him from the ground, but he would not. Nor did he eat food that was with him. I'll tell you this, my brother, my sister, when, when you are wounded, as much as people try to lift you, they cannot lift you without your assistance. And you are not even going to lift yourself off the ground. You're going to have to get yourself in God's presence and allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to lift you up again. I've been with people through so much tragedy, um, seen people go through terrible things. And I've learned after 36 years, there's one way you recover. And that is in God's presence, in God's timing. When you go again and again and again and again, and you go with your broken heart and you converse with God, even if you have no words, even if you can only shed tears, that you will go lay in the presence of God again and again and again. You may feel numb on the inside, but listen, don't allow the devil to steal your worship. Don't allow the devil to move you out of the presence of God. Don't allow the devil to convince you that God is not a good God. You keep on worshiping Him. You keep on loving Him, no matter how you feel. You just get yourself into the presence of God and I'll tell you that that numbness will leave you and that pain will become less and less and less and that brokenness will be healed. Then when you see again, you are whole and you will be beautiful and you will be joyful and you will be at peace with yourself and you will be able to say not as a statement of faith because you've encountered the goodness and the mercy of God, that God is good and His mercy endures forever. Say Amen in Jesus' Name. So on the seventh day, shall dies. And the people are scared to tell the king. But David perceives the child is dead. So what does he do? David arose from the ground. You have to pick yourself up from the ground. No matter what. And continue to be that father, the husband, the mother, the wife, the businessman. No matter how many business failures you've had, you don't allow the adversities of life to determine your future. I know that sometimes pain can be overbearing. Sometimes it may feel like your heart is hemorrhaging with pain. But that's okay. He understands it. Allow Him to bring healing to you. Because as men, sometimes we want to be macho. We want to fix ourselves. And as we try to fix ourselves, we become hardened and we become distant and we become cynical. And when you see again, your heart is numb towards God. David is a warrior. He's the one who kills Goliath. 
He's not a little choir boy. He's a king. He's the ruler. But he had one thing, and that was a heart to worship God. When trouble came his way, he ran to God. When disappointment came, he ran to God. When he had unanswered questions, he asked them. And God somehow revived him. That's why in the process of prayer, you see a change in his stone from almost saying, Hey David, what's up with you? It's not just one psalm where he's talking and saying, but God, where's the breakthrough? Where's the victory? I've waited for you. I've longed for you. I've looked for you. I've waited for your deliverance. But he doesn't stay there. Then he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. He says, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you this, my brother, you will live again. You will laugh again. You will smile again. You will rejoice again. I'll tell you this lady that have gone through a pain divorce you will live again you will laugh again you will trust again in the name of Jesus you give those burdens to Jesus you cast those sorrows upon Jesus you cast those cares upon Jesus and watch what he will do he's not the one that is the cause of your trouble he's your healer he's your deliverer he's the lover of your soul he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother run into the comforting arms of Jesus and come as you are and as you wish, because we all are different. I have three children, they're all different. I have uh, the sixth grandchild is about to be born, gonna be a perfect baby, and um, gonna rejoice. They're all different. Some of you like to jump on your chair. It's okay, I like it as well. But maybe three weeks from now, you just feel like being silent and it's okay as long as you connect and as long as you talk to Him when the conversation stops the worship stops listen you have to remember when my dad died I mean we were taught those years such a silly religious way let the dead bury the dead, you go their way. So he, he dies. Uh, I still pray for him. Saturday in the hospital. Uh, he all, he, uh, so we gave him to the Lord. I drive to Lady Brand to preach two sermons. Drive back, walk into Ward 21. I look for my dad, but he departed. There was no cell phones. He already went to heaven. So it's like, okay. Drove back to Lady Brand, preached the evening service came back on Monday, made the funeral arrangements and buried him. We were never taught to take time out. That's why I said at a funeral this week, I understand that death has lost its sting. I understand those things. But my word, when you hurt, you hurt. When you feel pain, you feel pain. And the Bible says we have to weep with those who weep. We have to weep them with them back so they can get healing. I'm not saying we don't sorrow as those without joy, but we do sorrow, we do weep. For a man that loses his business, it's a huge deal. For a marriage that ends in divorce, it's a huge deal. For a child that rebels, it's a huge deal. Going to the doctor and receiving a bad report, not that the doctor is the devil's agent, but you're living your life and suddenly you are diagnosed with this terrible disease. What does worship look like? 
when suddenly things don't happen the way you expect it. I'm not saying bad things are heading your way, but I'll tell you most of you sitting here have gone through some things. And if you've not, your child have gone through something. And some of you have almost become silent in your worship and it's damaging your spirit. And if you do not correct it and lift yourself off the ground, not that you're physically lying on the ground, but on the inside you are lying down and that you start having an honest conversation with God again, it's gonna begin to affect every area of your life from your psyche, your emotions, your joy, your peace, your marriage, your children, your friends, it's gonna affect every relationship. That's why the Bible portrays God as our Father. Anybody with a child, I'll say it again, teaches that child, come to daddy, come to mommy, come to me, talk to me, no matter what, talk. I think we're afraid to talk. I think we are so programmed that our relationship with God is more a charismatic, religious, thinking what is right when we come to God. He says, no, you come to the throne of grace boldly to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. I'm not saying you pray prayers of unbelief, but I'm saying there are times that you need to have an honest conversation. Otherwise, that silence may lead to anger. And that anger may lead to resentment. Eventually, you're resenting God because you feel God has abandoned you. You feel God has failed you. So David gets himself off the ground. He washes himself. He anoints himself. He changes his appearance. He's still broken on the inside. But he makes up his mind, this tragedy is not going to define me. It's not going to determine my countenance, my relationships. I'm going to get off the ground. I'm going to wash myself. I'm going to wash myself. Like Job had to wash himself from the disappointment. Imagine his emotions. In one day, the calamity. Imagine David lost his son, but it's his own doing. He caused it. So he could have lived a life of regret and remorse and shame for the rest of his life, but he didn't. He was smart enough to get off the ground and to wash himself and to anoint himself and to go into the house of God and to worship the living God. Come on, somebody, because that is the place of restoration and the place of healing. Oh, come on, someone. You've walked in your depressed this morning. Get on your feet and give Jesus a worship from the bottom of your heart in the name of Jesus. Come on, just make a joyful shout unto God. So what does worship look like when all hope seems lost? When you lose a loved one, and we all have, and it hurts. When you receive a terrible diagnosis from the doctor, and I've been with many, they have a little pain and they think everything is fine and they walk out basically, basically with a death sentence. When you go through a painful divorce, when you experience a business failure. And sometimes like Job, these things happen. Not just one, you go through this, this and that. But it's okay, 
because you're going to come through as Job came through his tragedy. Come on, because God is a God of restoration. Somehow God lifted him up. Somehow God restored his joy. It wasn't his wife. It wasn't somebody else. It was God. People can encourage us. People can carry us for so long. But somewhere we have to get ourselves in the presence of God and we have to go weep and we have to cry and we have to recover and we have to find ourselves because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on. You have to get yourself in the presence of God. You have to get yourself in the presence of God. And if you weep, that's okay. Because the Bible says weeping endures for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes you just lie before Him and you weep, and that's okay. Those are tears of worship, tears of pain, but tears of worship like Hannah, when she was barren and she wept at the altar, and Eli came and he said, what is it, woman? First, he tried to kick her out, right? He thinks she's a drunk woman, but she wasn't. She came to God and cried out to God, God, I need a son. God, restore me. Because in those days, if you didn't have children, like in many of our cultures today, there was something wrong with you. I want to tell you, lady, don't let your culture define you. That man that said, I'm not going to marry you because you can't have children. No, you are beautiful. You are fearful. I pray that uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray that God will open your womb. I pray that God will bless you. I pray that God will restore the years that the locusts have stolen and the canker worm have eaten in the name of Jesus. But you keep on getting yourself back into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you allow God to lift you up because when His Holy Spirit breathes upon you, He's going to lift you up off the ground and He's going to restore your joy and your peace in Jesus' Name. I'm on a clock. How many minutes to? I have to go to Johannesburg this morning and fly via, um, I think, Polokwane because of an air show. Bless them. So when life knocks you to the ground, what does your worship look like? It's not what got you to the ground. It's what you do on the ground. It's not what life does. It's what you do when life throws a curveball or like we spoke last week, when God has blessed you excessively. You don't forget Him. Now get caught up with your money and your riches and your blessings that you don't have time to worship Him because that will numb your heart to the presence of God just as much. The key for both of these people were that they never allowed life or the devil to steal their worship. When you come back and you're the one that returns, He will heal your broken heart. He will restore your hope. He will remove your captivity. He will lift your burden. He will answer the question that you are asking without asking. Somehow you will just have peace by the Holy Spirit. If Satan can steal your worship, he will numb your faith. So no matter what, you be the one that shows up. You be the one who returns. You be the one who worships no matter what. No matter whether you're struggling to understand and to make sense of it all. Maybe you never will. Maybe you're in a state of anger. I don't know. Maybe your heart feels broken. I don't know. Maybe it feels like the bottom of your world has fallen out. 
Maybe you feel detached from God and He feels like He's a million miles away. Maybe you are wrestling with unanswered questions. Remember, Job did, David did, the Apostle Paul did, but all of them return and worship God day after day. And I wanna encourage you, the TV viewer, get yourself in the presence of God. He's waiting for you in Jesus' Name, Amen. Give them a hand, hallelujah. In the midst of your losses, the midst of your successes, the midst of your grief, your sadness, your tragedies, whatever life throws at you, good or bad, because it's not all bad. Sometimes it's the good things that steal our worship. You be the one, like David, to return and to worship Him. You don't have to possess the right words. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to repress or suppress your emotions. The enemy's goal is to make you believe God has forsaken you. But you be the one that understands that God loves you. And though there may never be answers, weeping endures for a moment, but joy comes in the morning in Jesus' Name. You be the one who worships Him when nobody else will. You be the one who worships Him with your tears. You worship Him with your mind. You worship Him with your heart. You worship Him with your hands. You worship Him with your songs. You worship Him every day of your life. You make up your mind to say, God, You are good and Your mercy endures forever. I have to close because it's worship. Jesus at the centre that will fill your faith and settle your heart. I can't explain it. But when you get into His presence, there's a calm and there's a peace and the turmoil leaves. It's worship that will become the pillow of rest to your head and peace to your heart. It's worship that will bring healing to your heart again and peace to your mind. Even when the question is never answered. Family, He loves you. He's your Father. He's personal. He walks with you through the valley. He weeps with you. When He came to, 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 to Lazarus, the Bible says He wept. He wept with His friends, family, before He raised Lazarus from the grave. Can we stop being so numb as Christians when other people are hurting? Can we weep with those who weep? Oh, come on, you can give a better hand clap than that. Can we stop trying to give answers when we don't have answers for ourselves? Because when people are hurting, you don't have the answers. You didn't write the Bible. You don't know it all. We don't need your stupid prophecy. We don't need your little prophetic word. We don't need your stupidity. What we need is your love and your comfort and your encouragement. We don't need you to tell somebody that's gone through a tragedy why they went through a tragedy. We need you to be there, to be loving, to be caring, and to sometimes just say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I know God knows. And that's what Paul said. There are times we don't know, but thank God He knows. There are times we are puzzled, we are perplexed, we are bewildered as what is happening, but we don't give up hope. We don't lose heart. We keep the same spirit of faith. We keep on returning. We keep on believing that God is good and that God will turn our morning into dancing. Come on, CRC. That joy comes in the morning. 
that God will lift you up again, that God will bless you, that you will live again. I say it, I declare it. You will laugh again. You will breathe again. You will be that man God called you to be. You will be that woman God called you to be. You will be that child God called you to be. And there's nothing the devil can do to stop that if you will get yourself in the presence of your loving Father and just worship Him. Worship is not the songs we sing, it's a part of it. It's the heart of adoration and worship. And how much more is it a heart that glorifies God when you're in a place of loneliness, abandonment, disappointment, disillusionment? And you say like Job said, yet will I trust Him. When he had no reason in the world to trust God and his wife stands and says, curse God. He's not a good God. Like people say, if God, why did God allow this? Why did this happen? They are Job's wife in your life. He said, woman, you speak like a foolish woman. Now, thank God it's Mother's Day uh, next week. So I couldn't preach this message next week. But he said, you speak like a foolish woman. Get rid of those foolish people, those foolish voices in your life that try to discredit the faithfulness and the goodness of God and surround yourself with people that have walked through life, people that have some scars, people that now have stars, people that can weep with you and show you how to walk through your valley. Because I'll tell you, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Goodness and mercy awaits you at the end of your valley because your shepherd will not forsake you. Your shepherd will anoint your head with fresh oil. Your shepherd will deliver you. Come on, say amen. And let us worship Him. Let us praise Him. No matter where you are, in a pit, in a prison, in a palace, you worship Him this morning. You converse with Him this morning. You love Him this morning. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand. Yet will I trust You. I feel like quitting. Yet will I trust You. I don't understand this, God. Yet will I trust You. You are good and Your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name. Come on, will you stand with me this morning? Let's lift our hands to Him. Everybody in this place, lift your hands to Him. Come on. Come on, His presence is here. I know in, in a moment of worship, God is going to touch you. God is going to touch you. Something is going to shift. He's going to heal you. Worship Him in your pain. Worship Him with your tears. Worship Him with your laughter. Worship Him. If you want to sit, sorry, you can sit. I don't mean stand, you have to stand. If you want to sit, sit. Just stand up inside and just have a moment. Have a moment. Have a moment. Have a moment. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you have nothing else to say, say Jesus. If you have nothing to say, say nothing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. This morning you are standing in this place or seated in this place. Pastor Ad spoke about worshiping when you're wounded. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you've been going through. But as Pastor Ad was speaking, God reminded me during COVID time, me and my wife, we lost over 11 close family members in a period of two and a half years. We were wounded. But one thing that kept us was the house of God, 
the preaching from this pulpit, the fact that we could worship. I don't know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what is wounding you, what the devil is you're busy with. This morning, I want to invite you. God has got a plan in the future for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and hope. I don't know what you are facing this morning. There's one verse that kept us through that time. It says, He will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. This morning, if you don't have Jesus, you cannot have that peace. If you don't have Jesus, you cannot have that grace. I'm standing here today as a living testimony that God is good, that God is faithful. He can do it in your life as well. Maybe you've wandered away. Maybe you knew it at one time. I want to tell you, God is real. He's here this morning. He brought you here with a purpose. Maybe someone dragged you here. God foreknew this moment in time to meet up with you again. Maybe you were passionate about Him at one stage. I want to call you. Leave your humility, leave your pride. Humble yourself in the presence of God. He will lift you up. This is not about looking good because as soon as we leave here, life is still going to be there. But then you need Jesus. We don't know where we're going to be tomorrow. We don't even know if we're going to have it tomorrow. I don't mean to scare you. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. It says it's appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. There is no second chance. Make right with Him today. Amen. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving in this place in respect of what God is doing. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for opportunities like this where we can come together as a household of faith to worship the one true living God, the God who still answers prayer, the God who's alive that takes us through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us there, that you never forsake us. This morning, Father, we pray for every single heart that don't know you, Father, that they will come to the saving knowledge, Father. Give, the, give your angels charge over them right now. So this morning, as you're standing there with eyes closed in this moment, you know that you know that you know that your life is not right with God. We want to give you that opportunity. It is a privilege and an honor for us to share this moment with you. It is not a walk of shame. It is a walk of freedom. This morning, we want to ask you, are you right with Jesus? Is your life right with Jesus? If you were to die today, where would you be? He's one or two places, my friend. Make right with Him. He loves you with all of His heart. He gave you His best, His Son on the cross to die for your sins so that whoever may call on that name and believe in that name will not perish but have eternal life. Make right with Him today. If that is you this morning, I want to ask you boldly, unashamedly, lift up your hand so we can pray with you. Right there where you are, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. It's just between you and God right now. Lift up your hand. Jesus died for you publicly. Say, Father, here I am. I need prayer. I need to come back to you. I need to seek your face again. If that is you this morning, lift up your hands so we can pray with you. Thank you. I see hands going up everywhere in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On the balcony, thank you. If you put up your hand, you can put it down. Anyone else? If you put up your hand, if you haven't put up your hand, but you know that you need to make right with God. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Put up your hand boldly so we can know to pray with you. Quickly, quickly, unashamed. Thank you. Thank you. 
Anyone else? Anyone else? Believers praying. This is not a game, this. Not a game. You know. God is knocking at the door of your heart. If that is you this morning, one last time, before we sing, lift up your hand, say, here I am. Here I am. We just want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's the start of a journey, right? Then there's going to be people who, we're going to take you to a VIP room, right? Where we're going to, if you need prayer for anything, we're going to pray with you, we're going to counsel you, etc. We're going to take your details so we make sure we run this journey with you. Amen. So would you just be so kind, just put your hand on your heart, close your prayer. Believers, you can just stretch out your hands to them. Let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again for the sake of my sin. Thank you, Father, that when I call on the name of Jesus, I will be saved. Thank you, Father, that my old is past, my new has come because of what you've done. Thank you, Father, that you are the one true living God. Jesus, I ask you today, forgive me of my sin. Make me a brand new person. Help me to live this true Christian life in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says amen and amen. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.